The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Coming up, Sarah Haggerty helps us find the sweetness of God in every bitter thing. When we started facing struggles with infertility and in our marriage and financial struggles, um, I started to just feel that bitterness inside. I had the question in my heart, not is God good, because I could see in scripture that he was good, but really is God good to me? What is it that I've done with my life that my upward and onward life in God turns sour? Thank you so much. It is such a privilege to share this time with you. I'm James Robinson. My wife, Betty, and I welcome you to life today, and that is what it's about. I'm holding a very beautiful book written by Sarah Haggerty, and it's called Every Bitter Thing is Sweet, Tasting the Goodness of God in All Things. Now, are there bitter things that actually can be made sweet? Quite a remarkable story. I want you to welcome Sarah to life today. Would you, Sarah? We're glad you're here. Thank you for having me. We're glad you're here. Where is your home? Kansas City, Missouri. Kansas City. Well, y'all had a baseball team that made it to the oh. World Series. And, <laughs> oh, yeah. And do you know that the, <laughs> the owner of the team, one of the, the main owners, is, is David Glass and Ruth, wonderful prayer partners and supporters mm. of our ministry for years and wow. years. And, and uh, they just had a great year, but uh, San Francisco oh. was unkind <laughs> to them. They were unkind. So they had to get every bitter thing made sweet, David, <laughs> and Kansas City, all of you. Exactly. Now, and it was quite an exciting year for you guys. Uh, you really did have a lot of pain. Tell, tell, tell our viewers, because a lot of folks out here, they have a lot of things going on in their life, mm -hmm. and they really don't know quite how to deal with it, and they don't really ready to get this, you know, every bitter... Yes thing made sweet. By the way, where did this cover come from? Where did this concept come from? Well, every bitter thing is sweet is from Proverbs. Um, Proverbs 27, 7 says, the satiated soul loathes the honeycomb, but to a hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. Wow. And I read this, I read that verse for the first time um, at my kitchen table. Well, I may have read it before, but I remember reading it for the first time at my kitchen table when we were in the throes of infertility marriage struggles, financial struggles. It just felt like one thing after another. And, and by I, the way, when, when you say infertility, you almost say that like that was actually a bitter thing. It was painful for you. You must have really had high hopes we're going to have some children. I certainly did. I certainly, I mean, I expected like anyone in their 20s and newly married, sure, we just have kids. We'd plan yeah, to have kids and we'd have children. Part of the program. And, and much like my early 20s, I just sort of expected, isn't life in God a treadmill? We just turn it up and we run harder and, and our life gets better and it's just kind of this ever onward and upward life. Hmm. And uh, when, when we started facing struggles with infertility and in our marriage and financial struggles, um, I started to just feel that bitterness inside. Like this was it actually toward God to some degree? It was toward God. It was, a, it was questions turned into bitterness. I had the question in my heart, not is God good, because I could see in scripture that he was good, but really is God good to me? What is, it that, what is it that I've done with my life that my upward and onward life in God turns sour? It's questions turning into bitterness in my heart. I'm just feeling hardened. This isn't what I prayed for. This isn't what I thought life in God was about. I'm sitting at my kitchen table just feeling it. And I read this verse and for the first time I thought, you know what? This pain is an invitation. It's an opportunity. Underneath this bitterness is actually a real hunger for God. 
and he's giving me an invitation, come and meet with me here. Hmm. You can come and find me here. You don't have to have your circumstances changed to come and get near me. Hmm. Right in the midst of all the pain. Right in the midst of it. Yeah, okay, what'd you do? Well, so I started to ask him, what does it look like to find you here? The Bible to me had been something I used as a ministry tool. It, it had been something that I sort of read like a history book and I, I had enough maybe emotional integrity to know I'm telling people about Jesus all over the place, but on the inside, I'm not feeling the love of this God. And so I just started to get alone with him and ask him the questions that were kind of buried underneath. Are you good to me? And what does your word say about how you see me in pain and who are you really? And then I just started to open myself up. God, this really hurts. My ache is deep and to feel his spirit come and meet me. Did you not feel that there was a, a, a almost a graciousness and a gratitude, not just grace, but a graciousness and an excitement on the part of God that you were actually coming to him like that, like mm. bringing the real you to him the way you were. It wasn't catching him off guard. It was just like he was excited that you were coming to him who you are, where you are, and did you sense it, that he was glad you came That's like exactly that? it. I think I had seen him as a taskmaster, as a hard <laughs> yeah. leader, which we can do yeah. when we're running yeah. hard in ministry. Absolutely. I think we can start to see our output as um, our output pleases God instead of what we do on the inside when nobody's looking. Religion tells you all that yeah, stuff. And then you exactly. realize that he wasn't really far away from you. He was right there he waiting so you to near. want to receive him. Yes, and I started in those times to see, wait a second, he's not a distant leader, he's a daddy. Yeah. And he's saying, come sit on my lap and keep asking me for what you want. Yeah. You don't need to stop asking. I want to hear you asking me. I love your voice. Mm. I he really does. I wish people realized yeah. that. Oh. And you know what happens though, and this is one of the things I try to point out to people, and, and as we mature in our praying, because all praying is a two-way conversation. Mm -hmm. Any meaningful conversation is two-way. Nobody just likes to listen all the time. Mm -hmm. You like to be able to be heard, but you need to hear. And as you mature in your praying, and I want to ask you how quickly you might have gotten there, the more you pour your heart out to God, and then you wait, He will pour His heart out to you, and especially if He finds out you're receptive. You like to hear his voice. Yes. You like to know his heart. Did you begin to see this transition? I did. I think of baby showers were a, a particularly painful point for me because I would go and watch these women who had what I wanted. They were having a baby. They were having a baby and all those questions would come back. Why is she having baby number three and I can't even <laughs> conceive baby number one? Yeah. I'm leaving the baby shower and I just, I'm mad in my heart, this hurts. And it's like the Lord's just whispering, as if he was whispering, just come and sit with me. You don't need to be mad, come and cry. Wow. And it was in those times that I would, I would drive home and just kind of block out the world around me and sit with his word open in front of me and say, who are you really, God? And he would start to meet me. And I'd go, you know what? This is better than a baby shower. This is better than a baby. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's powerful. This is better than my deepest heart's desire that I think is my deepest heart's desire. It's actually you and you're better. Are you hearing what she's saying? Whatever your heart's desire is and you feel unfulfilled, the hurt, the bitter, and the weight, and suddenly you get to meet this incredible presence in this person. It's not religion. It's not ritual. This relationship. And suddenly that relationship is greater than all the things you ever dreamed about. Yes. And that really is no exaggeration. And maybe you have all the things that you think make people happy, but nothing equals him. Nothing. Mm. Please get that. You found it. I did. I remember one particular Sunday I was sitting at church 
and we had a really prolific church, so lots of round bellies and one-year-olds running around and kids in strapped in and everybody's singing to God and I'm feeling in my heart like, yeah, you're singing to him. You got what you wanted. There you go. You got a and, he, and here I am looking around at everybody who has what I want and I saw, and, I, and I'm just feeling it in my heart and I see this picture in front of me in my mind's eye and it's the cross. And I see the word family nailed to it. Mm. And it's as if I was hearing him say, would you still love me even if you never had a family? Because at this point it wasn't just infertility, but we also had a lot of delays in our adoption. Mm. So I left church that day knowing I couldn't answer. I, I knew the right answer, but God wasn't asking me for the right answer. He was asking me for that internal wrestle with him. And I went home and it took me several days to go, would I really love you? if you never gave me what I wanted in my circumstances. Mm. And out of, of um, just the depths that I had been meeting with him came this cry, yes, you're so good, God. When I get alone with you and nobody's looking, when I'm in the deepest part of my pain and you meet me, it's so good that yes, I'll love you even if I never get what I want externally. And don't you think that's what he wants, the point he wants all of us to get to? Yes. Him first. Yes. Him, he, he is everything. He is, and you know and what? He's so beautiful. <laughs> it really is so beautiful to sit before him when your life externally isn't working like you want and just have him come to you. You, it's, it's addictive. You, you want to keep going back. I just wish, I wish everybody listening would realize this is not just uh, some kind of spooky talk. This is just not some kind of church stuff. This is reality. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really is. And you can, you can go there. And by the way, what she's written will help you go there. And that, that's not an exaggeration. Okay, you're going through this time now, let's say gaining some intimacy with God. Yes which he really, we need intimacy. I used to, I did a lot of the same thing. As a preacher, I'd go to the Bible to get a sermon for you. But I stopped going to the Bible to get life from mm -hmm. me and to be filled with the fullness of who he was. And we make that mistake. Okay, so now you're in this situation where you're beginning to hear him. What happens with the children? Tell us the rest of the story because it gets pretty interesting. Yes, in the middle of that, we adopt. And it's sweet because as I'm starting to recognize, oh, he's a father. Mm -hmm. and he loves me, my heart is opening to the fatherless mm -hmm. and going, he's a father to them mm -hmm. and he loves them. And I'm really not all that different than them. Mm -hmm. I need to sit on his lap. They need to sit on his lap. Mm -hmm. And we, in, in, so in this growing- started adopting kids from, you know, distant places. We did, we adopted our first two from Ethiopia. Ethiopia. When they were one and a half and three and a half and came home and just felt the tug of now, God on related? our hearts. Did, they, they were family? biological siblings. They yeah. were actual siblings. Yeah. Boy and, and a girl or what? A boy and a girl. Boy and a girl. Mm -hmm. And we got home and just felt the tug on our hearts again and, and went, we're going to- You gonna... just got two and you got another tug in your heart. <laughs> and we got two more. We just do it in <laughs> would twos. Would you get them? Would you, would you get them? <laughs> then we went to Uganda and adopted our second two who were older. At that point, we really just, uh, we had seen that, you know, there's many kids who are in the orphanage who are adopted younger. The ones who are older are wow. less likely to be adopted. How old were the older ones when you got them? Um, on paper, they were five and seven. Five and seven. <laughs> you think they were older? We're not sure. <laughs> we're not sure. Okay. Well, how's everything going there? Is that good? You know, it's been much like our lives were before we got them. It's beautiful and it's painful. You know, mm. we're walking through each one of them grieving and, mm. the, and the loss in their own lives and the loss of their history. Some of them have no, um, no memories, no records of their history. Mm. And so we're walking through with them 
finding the same God that that we found. When How long have you had the adopted us. children now? How many years overall um, now? So it's been about five and a half. Five and a half years. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, then something else happened to you that posed. Well, then we just sort of had the surprise of our lives, and I conceived. Oh boy! <laughs> and they called it a geriatric pregnancy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, the so, medical community was very good. Yeah. So did did it really confuse you that now you did all this and then you you know? You know, it didn't because we kept asking. I had that image of a daughter sitting on her daddy's lap going, Daddy, would you please? Mm. I was not pounding the gates of heaven going, God, open my womb. It had really transformed <laughs> into a, Daddy, would you please? And so I, I, I wasn't in total shock because I had been asking. Mm. And so when we found out, the morning, it's actually interesting, the morning we found out we had conceived, though, um, my husband's first response, and it wasn't a theological dissertation, it was just sort of his initial shock. He said, do you think the favor of God has lifted from our lives? Why would you say that? Because there had been so much internal fruit in the years when our external circumstances weren't working. There had been such a sweetness with God. In the midst of all the pressure. In the midst of all the pressure that we went back and went, that's favor. Mm. He met with us. It didn't work. No, the story didn't favor. work like we thought. It was his favor. But it was yeah. his favor. Not You're sure right. It so it sure wasn't it was. a theater, but, but it was, yeah. Mm -hmm. All around was, and his blessing. So, now you've got a family. Mm -hmm. and, a lot of them. <laughs> from all over the world. All right. You wrote this, and you have to have a mission purpose. What do you want people right there, mm -hmm. and people who hear you, and who read, what do you want them to get? I want them to find the beauty of this Jesus, no matter what hand life deals them. I want them to be in, if they're in the deepest life ache and see it as an invitation to cry and find a side of God that they've never seen before. I want them to grow in intimacy with this God who's forever saying, come and meet with me. I want you to, I want you to get the book. And as a matter of fact, we'll send it to you. We're, we're asking you to help us give, literally, not just a cup of water uh, to people, but a well of water. And we do that by joining together. And, and we'll, 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 we're sending you those things that'll bless you. But we'd also like to send you this. You know, Betty, you and I come in here uh, virtually every day. We're in people's homes. And, and we feel, because we, we see people meet with people and we hear from you. And nearly 2,000 people and sometimes as many as 2,500 people will call and, and our prayer team will pray with them every day. And, and we're here because we believe God will meet people where they are at their point of need and lift them up. When, when you hear a story like this and you look at our viewers, what do you want our viewers to hear that you believe God wants them to hear that's important to them? What's going well, on in your I, heart? I want them to know that when you sit here and listen to Sarah's story, and you've heard our stories through the mm. year, our, our testimonies, that it's, it's not just words we speak. We mm. have experienced these things. We have experienced the pain. We have experienced the joy. Mm. But most of all, we have experienced God in our lives. Yes. And He really does make the difference. And His way is the better way when it looks like we're not getting like what we perceived our Christian life would be like. Mm. It's not, we kind of, 
plan ahead and think, oh, well, I want this and I want that. But we need to say, God, what do you want? What do you want from me? Mm-hmm. What do you want for my life that will give real purpose to what you want for everyone? And so just not to get ahead of God, but just to rest in His peace and in His joy. And when it doesn't look like anything's making sense, He does. And He wants you to know that He's just waiting for you to pour your heart out to Him. Open up that pain and that hurt and when you have, and then let Him give you the real joy that comes from within. You know, I hope, you, you, I hope you're hearing what God's saying through what Betty said and what Sarah's saying. I, I think that that if you'll just get this, please, if, if you would just literally just get in God's lap, I don't care where you are, He wants to hold you in the most loving, caring arms. And every single issue to you is important to Him because you're important to Him. So right where you are, I mean, would you do this in a childlike faith expression? Just God? Like, go ahead and tell Him. I, I, don't, even, I don't even know if you're there and you're listening, but he is. And just say, God, please help me. You know how bad I hurt. You know what's going on. Do you care? Would you help me? Please help me. Just ask him. Talk to him. Like the father he is. And just say to him, I'm going to lean on you, but I want to learn about you. And, and now look at me. There's a telephone number there on the screen. You dial that number. And just tell them, I want you to pray with me, please. I just need to turn my life over to, if God's there and he'll help me like a father, I need it. And get someone to agree with you. If you've never trusted him as father, they'll pray with you, asking to become your father through Jesus Christ. He gave that you might be reconciled to him, connected to him in family. I wrote a little book called Knowing God as Father. We'll send it to you. Mm-hmm. And then it has a Bible study that gets you started. And, and if you wanted to, Sarah's book, we'll be glad to send it to you. Sarah, I just love you. I love mm, your spirit. You. I, I, it's a beautiful story. I pray it blesses many and you keep telling it and take care of those kids. Thank you me. may have some more. You don't know. <laughs> you may might. able to get them. You may have them. Would you thank Sarah for being <laughs> a blessing to us and for sharing her story and her heart? And, and let me say, you know, you, you call that number. It's paid for by love. You want someone to pray with you. But I want to tell you this too. This is the last week that we're asking you for help to drill 500 water wells. We drill them one well at a time in 12 countries. It changes everything. No way to describe it. It's just a miracle. Would you you help us drill a well? Would you give a part of a well? I want you to listen. I want you to listen to some mother's hearts. I think you'll hear the father's heart. And then you'll be his hands. I really believe that. Watch. Is there anything more miraculous, more precious than God's gift of children? Remarkable and sometimes confusing little versions of ourselves, yet so incredibly unique. We plan, sacrifice, stress, and pray over our decisions, over their decisions all that we want for them and the legacy we hope to leave. There's a breath of immortality in those generations that follow us, but that all assumes those generations don't end with us. In Cambodia, what we encountered floored us. Mother after mother 
who because of something as basic as water had lost child after child. Contaminated water filled with disease, their only source. In the villages we visited, it became harder to find mothers who had not lost a child to contaminated water than it was to find one who had. Our children are supposed to outlive us. These mothers have lost more children than the average American has even brought into this world. Of all the things we as parents might struggle to provide for our children, it's unlikely that clean water is ever one of them. Why should it be any different for these mothers? We're the answer to that need. I've said to those of you who watch us on a, on a regular basis that if you want your prayers answered, I think it wise to seek to be an answer to someone's prayer. In uh, Isaiah 58, the prophet made it very clear that if you address the needs of others, if you see someone that is hurting or hungry or in need of food or, or care and you give it to them, that you will find your prayers answered quickly and that God moves into the situation and we become a well-watered garden, fruitful in every way that we become like a stream of water, ever flowing stream, he says. Would you, would you right now this last week, just with the prompting of the Holy Spirit, when you see what's happening, you say for another mother, I will save her children. For the sake of those who've lost, I will show them the hope they've longed for. Because a mother who's lost a child is longing for something much better for other mothers. Would you be the answer to that heart cry? Would you answer the mission and commission of Jesus to literally take his love and the good news of who he is to the ends of the earth in action, not in words only, but in deeds? Would you right now go to Life Today online or go to the phone and dial that number and take your bank card and say, James, I'm going to help answer the cry and the prayer of those ladies who lost their children. We're gonna save that village. We're gonna save that area by giving them fresh, clean water, water for life, and the missionaries we know will tell them about the water of life. But we would have demonstrated his love. Please, right now, get your bank card and make the largest, most loving gift of mercy possible to assist the suffering and to give them an answer. If you would make a gift the wells are $4,800. You may be able to give a well. Invariably, someone does. Even couples and children and churches will say we want to give a well. Businesses do it. Individuals. 
Could you give well? Father, I pray if they're able, who are watching, they'll joyfully do it in Jesus' name. Most of the support comes from people who make gifts of $48 or 72 or 144 because when you break that down, you are giving water the rest of a person's life for 10 people or 30, 144, 30 people water for life. If you can give a gift of 1,200 or 2,400, somebody matches that or three others join you, we've got another well. There's some level at which you can participate. So would you right now go online and make that gift? Or would you dial that phone number and take that bank card and use it like a check? By the way, if you want to write a check, make it to life. But please call us and tell us what you're mailing because this is the last week. We have some beautiful gifts to say thank you and to bless you in your spiritual walk, to encourage you. No one ever gives because they want to get a gift. We're giving because we love to give a gift, the gift of life and love. Thank you so much for doing it. Please, if you get a busy because others are calling to know Christ, to give the life to Him, you be persistent. You call or press on or go online until you get through. Thank you so much for doing it. Every day, millions of children are forced to make a dreadful choice, drink filthy, polluted water filled with deadly disease, or die from thirst. No child should ever be faced with this decision. The good news is there is a solution. Mission Water for Life is one of the most exciting and viable demonstrations of God's love in the world today. Suffering can end because clean water changes everything. With your gift today, we can establish and drill 500 water wells for remote villages in over 12 different nations. Your gift of $24 will help provide clean water for five people. A gift of $48 will help provide for 10 people. $72 will impact 15 people. And $144 will help provide fresh, clean, disease-free water for 30 people for a lifetime. With your gift, you'll receive the brand new Free To Be Me 40-Day Devotional where Betty shares the challenges, victories, and insights God gave her while struggling through fear and insecurity. You'll also receive Betty's book, Free To Be Me. With your gift of $100 or more, you may request Life's Inspirational Coffee Mug Set featuring encouraging quotes and scripture to brighten your mornings for years to come. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,200 to help provide water for 250 people or a gift of $4,800 to help sponsor a complete well and request this beautifully framed canvas print of the Forest Chapel by the painter of light, Thomas Kincaid. This is the last week. Call, write, or make your gift online today. You know, we will be sending you Betty's book and the devotional, the 40-day devotional guide. I think the beautiful uh, uh, Forest Chapel from Thomas Kincaid is just magnificent. We'll be sending you that as you make that special gift. But if you'd like to have Sarah's book, Every Bitter Thing is Sweet. It's made sweet by the intimacy and the presence of God. It really is, that loving Father. And uh, Sarah, we want to thank you. It is in the bookstores. But if you would like to have one and you just help us share a life, we'll be happy to send you one. Would you join Betty and me saying thanks to Sarah for being nice and welcome. You just did a great job. Thank you so much. Bless you and your husband, all those kids, and more to come. Where they come from? Thank you so much for being a friend for life and for watching the program. Encourage your friends to watch and go to stream.org. Stream.org. You're going to receive the news and the good news. God bless you.
be sure to visit stream.org, a rich and lively source for breaking news, analysis, and entertainment. Stream.org. You know, I was given an 8% chance of survival. Tomorrow on Life Today, while battling cancer, Andy McQuitty found purpose in the pain. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.